and welcome to episode 9 of Girl Mode. I am one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm your other host, Willa Rowe. So for this week's episode, we have uh, a topic that I think was was probably pretty inevitable uh, that we're going to get around to talking about this series. Uh, but it just so happens that uh, the series is celebrating a birthday this month. So we figured, why not take this opportunity to talk about Final Fantasy? Uh, I know it's a series that we both have uh, a lot of thoughts and feelings about. Yeah. Uh, and we've also happened to have written <laughs> a decent amount about it in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so it, it's fresh on our minds. Yeah. So it's it's turning 35. Um, in 1987, Square Enix released their first Final Fantasy and since then has spawned a a long series with <laughs> 15 mainline entries to this point, not counting sequels and spin-offs and games yet to come, but it is a it's a big a big deal and it looms large in games and you know, I think especially it looms large for for us. So, that'd be good time to to talk about it and what it what really is Final Fantasy. <laughs> right, which is a big question because it's like for most of its history it has had some pretty you know recognizable and consistent um like qualities to it but even within like those kind of parameters it's there's a lot of experimentation in it i would say like more than a lot of like series that have that are this big and have gone on this long yeah Uh, so it's like it, it is many things but it is uh, even when it strays kind of from the way that it began it's it's usually still pretty recognizable as like you can kind of tell a Final Fantasy game from a mile away. Um, so to start out, I think I wanted to ask you, uh, what is like what's your introduction to Final Fantasy? Like, do you remember when you first like heard about this series and like what was the first game you played and and kind of all of that that like you know you meeting Final Fantasy sort of stuff? Yeah. So for me, I think it's kind of like a two stage process where it's like the first time I really heard about the series. And then the first time like I played it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So growing up, we had like a PlayStation two at one point. And so my brother who was like the real gamer at the time, he had a bunch of games that I would like kind of like watch him play. And one of the games that he did play was final fantasy 10. Um, so I have like loose memories before I ever played 10 myself of of watching him play 10 and just like seeing these beautiful cutscenes and stuff um and being like really intrigued cuz it it seemed like really cool um I think I think I like knew about Kingdom Hearts before I knew about Final <laughs> Fantasy so I was like oh this is kind of kind of reminds me of some uh, Kingdom of uh, some Kingdom Hearts stuff yeah um, that's so funny. But I was like really interested in it, but then I never really got around to playing it um, until I had my PS3, which like was the console I got for myself to to play. And I played um, Final Fantasy 13. Um, oh, wow. So 13 was like my way in and the first one I, I ever played like myself. Um, yeah. What an interesting first one to play. Yeah. It's um, like... Obviously now, like knowing this like history of the franchise, it's it's interesting for me to have like started at one of the most contentious points. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you didn't which, know like, what you were getting into. <laughs> yeah, which like I mean, I think I can get into it, but uh, later. But do you want to first like talk about what your introduction to the series was? Yeah, um, I had the introduction that I think 
a lot of folks my age had to Final Fantasy, which uh, in a way there, there, the, there's a similarity there in that I think the first time I was aware of Final Fantasy was through its cutscenes. Um, I remember very vividly. I, I don't know the exact. I can't remember the exact like circumstances of it. But my uh, my uncle was like you know a, a, a gamer when I was a kid, uh, and I remember him showing me. It must have been like a TV commercial or something for Final Fantasy VII that showed like some pre-rendered cutscenes. I just remember seeing like Cloud on the motorcycle and stuff. Yeah, uh, I believe I actually mentioned talked about this on the, like our very first episode. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it just like completely blew me away, and like I couldn't conceive of what this game was, but it just like immediately captured my attention. And so once the game came out, I got it and like played through it. it what, it felt like it was a game that I'd been playing forever. Like, I remember when I beat it, I, I had this sense of just, like, I've been playing this game for my entire life because it, like, <laughs> was such a, like, a long and expansive game, which in reality, like, by, like, you know, today's standards, isn't even that big of a game. But um, at the time, it was just this massive thing. And I was, like, I was captivated by it from, like, just start to finish. Like, no question. Yeah. Um, for me, I think... Like to talk about my experience with Final Fantasy 13. It, um, I think Final Fantasy 13 was really interesting for me because I didn't really have like the the baggage of the franchise going into it. Um, it just was this, like I remember seeing like kind of the opening cutscene and being like, "This looks so cool," um, and like lightning looks awesome. Yeah, and I really wanted to play it. So then eventually I got it and. When I played it, I vi- I did really like it. I liked it a lot. I had a really good time. Um, I put so many hours into that game. Um, I, I mean, it was, I had a good enough experience where it like sparked my interest in the franchise to want to go back and play the rest of them. So it was good in that way. And I think even still to this day, like I look back and I can be a little more like critical of its flaws now than I think I was back then. But even with that, I, I still look at that game with a lot of love and I think it still deserves a lot of credit yeah yeah i still i've not finished final fantasy 13 i haven't even gotten particularly far but i've i've like picked it up a couple of times and every time i'm like it it feels like there is something really interesting there that i think i probably would like a lot but it's also like notoriously like takes a really long time to get going and i i just keep getting stuck in the first few hours of like of the warm-up <laughs> of it um, but it does seem like a really special thing I, I am curious though from that point like so you say you went back and played some of the older games like how do they hit you because they are like Final Fantasy 13 is infamously like a very a pretty big departure from the earlier games like 12 was as well but I think 13 even more so so like going back to the more classic style like how did those sit with you did they seem like did you like them more or less than 13 and like did it like what was the kind of feeling you had around them i think i mostly liked a lot of the the ones that i went on to play later more um Mm -hmm. because i do think that a lot of the other games are just inherently stronger but i never like lost a love of 13 but it i think the weird thing about 13 is it does stand at this like transformation point of the franchise but there was enough of a touchstone to the past that when i did go back to play the old ones where it was like besides like 12 um fully like turn-based and stuff i was like you know this is fine i like i was like oh i grew up playing pokemon i know how to do it like a a turn-based rpg um and then i just like went to like get engrossed in these stories which was like and is still to this day why 
I like, I fell in love with this franchise is because it was telling these, you know, just like impeccable stories with these really interesting characters that fascinated me. And, you know, I, I did kind of like, I kind of went through it in a way that like a lot of people tell you to, where it's like, you know, I did, I, I hit the, you know, big ones first. I was like, let's do seven, let's do four, mm-hmm. let's do six. And then, you know, from that point I was like, oh, I should do nine and get back to 10. Um, and then after that, I was like, let's try some of the other ones that people don't like that are divisive. Um, let's do eight, let's do 12. Um, and then eventually I went back and like, did 13-2 and Lightning Returns and all that. So it was yeah. kind of my like journey through the franchise. <laughs> uh, did you, after playing 7, did once you like played 7, did that like hook you into the franchise going forth and like make you go back to the ones you had missed? Yeah, so after 7, I was like, I mean, I was all in. Like it was, it was like at that time probably the best game I'd ever played. Like it, it really was incredible. So I remember when 8 came out, I was so excited. I was like, there's another one of these games. I can't wait to play it. And almost immediately, I was like, this is not the same. <laughs> like, like I don't like the changes that have been made. It really, I mean, like a lot of people, I think it really perplexed me. And I bounced off of it pretty hard. I've tried to go back and play 8, like, more recently. And even then, like, I just, I've had a rough time of it. So, I don't, yeah, there was, there was a weird period there where I was like, oh, maybe it's just Final Fantasy VII that's good and like the rest of the series I don't care about. I don't remember when I went back and played some of the older ones, but I did eventually. Um, like I played I played the original one because it, I don't know, felt like a cool thing to do. And then I played like most of the kind of, you know, pre-seven ones. Like I played a little bit of four, a little bit of five. I played six. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I, I jumped back onto like the modern series with nine and that became like another one of my favorite games ever. Like I remember being so captivated with like, as you were saying, like the stories of these games are are what makes them like, you know, continue to be relevant. And nine's story just really, really captured me, especially with like the kind of like grand spectacle of all of it too. Uh, Cause you know, it was like at the tail end of the PlayStation. And so uh, it was kind of like, you know, operating at its full capacity or whatever. And I still remember very vividly, like some specific cutscenes that are just like burned into my brain. Yeah. Uh, and it, and yeah, and it just like, it, it was very much like a classic going back to kind of the roots of like the medieval fantasy thing, but with some really interesting quests that I, that I really loved. And yeah, I just really fell in love with like the characters and the battle system. Uh, and from that point on, like played 10, loved it, tried 11, <laughs> couldn't couldn't figure out how to do it and yeah i don't know so so i've played actually most of the games in the series at that point are they what's your uh like how how much of it have you actually played of like the older ones oh man so like trying to run through it to see what i have played um yeah i've i've I, the kind of middle like two through four or five ones i'm kind of like i don't remember which how much of them i've played but i know i've like played a bit of 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 all of them yeah i've done three no no four (laughs) five six seven eight nine ten twelve thirteen thirteen two lightning returns um yeah so i haven't done one two three or fifteen yeah you haven't played 15 at all no not at all okay i I played (laughs) like two hours of it and was like 
that's going to be all for me. Thanks. I, <laughs> it, it was, whew, wow. That is, I know some people like it, but for me, man, I, I could not make myself be interested in that game. But like, obviously there's one game that we're not talking about. <laughs> that we kind of <laughs> Right. Cause it is a topic unto its own. Yeah. Um, which is final fantasy 14. Which, like, as we've talked about at length, is, like, maybe both of our favorite game, like, maybe ever, just because of how much we play it. What? Like, when when was that, like, when did that, like, come in for you? Oh, um, I think I started playing... I've like I started a, a playing a lot of times before it finally, like, stuck for me. So I think when I started when um Stormblood came out because I remember seeing that very cool like intro cutscene with Lise. Uh, yeah, I don't even remember this, but they're fighting, fighting on, the on, on the statue. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I, I was aware of it before that. Like, you know, like I said, like I tried to play 11 and bounced off. I, by that point, I, th- I had think I had played World of Warcraft or at some point anyway, I ended up playing World of Warcraft. So like uh, MMOs were something I was kind of interested in, but I just hadn't gotten into this one for whatever reason. Um, so there was like, at that point, I think is when I started, like, I did like the free trial, you know, and you can get up to a certain level. And I think back then it was like level 20 or something. Uh, and so I played up to level 20 and it was really boring because the beginning of that game, like, it's very boring, <laughs> is very boring and was way more boring back then. So I played up to level 20 and it was just like, pretty much every time I've started an MMO, I kind of get like sucked into it really, really hard for a couple of weeks and then like really burn myself out on it. And that's what happened to me during the free trial, where like I just like played it nonstop and then just couldn't stand to look at it anymore. And I did that process like a couple of times. Like I, I kept wanting to go back to it, uh, but every time I would like start a new character, I'm like, okay, this time it's gonna stick. So it wasn't until uh, once Shadowbringers came out, I picked it up again. But that time I was like, okay, I've played the beginning of this game so many times, I'm just gonna pick up one of these characters that I've started and just continue from there. Cause I just don't need to play this like beginning stuff again. So, and from then I've, I've pretty much been playing since then I've taken like pretty large breaks in between there, mm-hmm. but it's, it's always been the kind of thing where I just, I know I'm going to come back to it. I think once I, once I finally got to heaven's word is when it really got its hooks in me. And that's when I was like, okay, like this is a game I'm just going to, even if I'm not always playing it, it's going to be one that I always go back to. Um, how how was your? Did you have a, a less like rocky start with it, or how did you um, get on? Yeah, board? so I mean, I was like a World of Warcraft player for a while mm-hmm. when I was younger um, until I like dropped off after Warlords of Draenor, um, and then I had always been like itching to want to like try to get back into an MMO, and kind of around Stormblood and stuff, I had been like hearing more about Final Fantasy fourteen. So it like lived in my mind as this thing that I was like wanting to try because I was like, well, I love Final Fantasy that, you know, and I've been wanting to get into an MMO. So this seems like it would be a good fit. Um, But I just like never got around to it. I was like, you know, I don't really have the time and I'm like going to be too socially anxious to like, you know, (laughs) connect with people in the game. Um, So I'd like, I'm going to hold off. And then in 2020, like two things happened. I graduated from undergrad and my gift to myself was like I'm gonna buy myself a a gaming pc because I would like desperately wanted one and (laughs) so I got that and then also the pandemic happened 
And so I was stuck inside and I wasn't really doing much. And I was like, you know what? Now is the perfect time to buy Final Fantasy XIV. So I did. And I started in like June of 2020. And then I literally just like sat down for hours per day. And I just like ran through the MSQ. So which like, honestly, I feel like was good because it helped me get through a realm reborn which was like so so tiring but i like beelined it through realm reborn got to heaven's word fell in love with heaven's word and then got through Stormblood, got through shatterbringers and then i was caught up and i was like oh okay cool i play this game now and then, yeah. and then i uh my subscription has never lapsed since <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how like once you hit the end of the game is when you're like, okay, now I now I play it forever. It, it's a weird thing where it's like there's no more content left, and so now I'm just gonna like sit here all day and like talk to people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now that you mention it, I, I think like around the beginning of the pandemic is when my current kind of like streak started because <laughs> I had you know kind of like backed off a little bit and then started playing again like around that time because you know like everyone else I was like stuck inside and like desperate for some kind of human contact yeah yeah i mean like it's an mmo it's like meant to be a social experience like were you part of fcs and like groups of players from the start or did you because it's also a very like it's very easy to solo and a lot of people play the whole game solo like i played most of the story before i joined my fc um were you like being social in it from the outset or that take you a while as well i was pretty solo for a really long time Mm -hmm. i tried to be like you know friendly enough when i was like in dungeons and stuff or raids um but i never really had like a group which i was like oh i'd I'd love to yeah and then it wasn't until uh i think it was like midway through when i was working on shadowbringers i like ran into a character um and (laughs) the way it happened was their um their fc like tag that they had under their name just read trans Mm-hmm. and i was like trans <laughs> me too uh and i like uh i looked at their profile and i messaged them and i was like hey i have your i love your fc tag and stuff blah, blah, blah. and we got to talking and they were like hey like if you ever want to like they were on a different server but they were like hey if you ever want to like hang out with us or stuff like here's our discord and like come hang out blah 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 and then eventually, like, I just started hanging out in the Discord more, and every once in a while I would, like, go do content and stuff until I was basically, like, I don't really have any friends or people that I, like, play with on my current world, so I'm just going to, like, make the jump. I'm going to switch worlds, go to that go to that world, and, like, join the FC full-time. And now I just have them, which has been very nice. Yeah, having that group of players really, really does transform the game. When I was, like sort of coming out i uh i was like very actively looking for like a queer fc because like most of the queer people i knew were online like people that play tabletop games and stuff and so i was just kind of looking for more of that community and ended up you know likewise kind of running into a group of people who i just like are just wonderful folks and like uh even now like we'll just spend all you know tons of time on the discord or whatever like even if we're not necessarily playing, just kind of like hang out at the FC house and, and like chat on Discord, which is a big way of like how we play now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, like it really does totally transform the experience to have people who who you like, you know, you know, and you have relationships with and it just becomes like more of a social experience than like a, a, a game, you know, mm-hmm. which is which is a really lovely thing. I mean, like a lot of games have that, of course, but I know like Final Fantasy 14 is 
pretty well known for its its community being like very very engaged and very welcoming, which has which has largely been my experience. Same. Um, so kind of like to to turn back to like the franchise as a whole. One of the interesting things about Final Fantasy is obviously it's like anthology kind of status um, Mm -hmm. where things aren't really connected, um, which obviously kind of begs the question of like, what is a Final Fantasy game and what makes a Final Fantasy game, which I, I think is a really kind of interesting question to parse as it like helps you kind of figure out some interesting things about the franchise that is different from other games. And the thing that I always think about is there's this great interview that uh, Yoshinora, Yoshinori Kitase, who is like a longtime producer on the series and director, um, he was heading development of Final Fantasy thirteen. And at this time, Hironobu Sagaguchi, who like created the franchise, he was no longer part of Square, but Katase was like, hey, I want to have like a lunch with you and just like, I want to pick your brain. And he asked Sagaguchi, in Sagaguchi's opinion, what made a Final Fantasy game a Final Fantasy game? And Sagaguchi responded with a single sentence and he said, Final Fantasy is Final Fantasy if it has a blue window with text in it. that's incredible which i just i love so much um and like for context of people who you know haven't played it uh for for a long time from like from like two to like six or two to seven the games always had dialogue boxes that were blue and it was like an iconic thing in the franchise so yeah which is a very funny thing. That's very funny. And you yeah. can still turn that on in 14. I know, like, which I, you, I do. Do you really? I, yes. I, I find it hard to look at. <laughs> <laughs> I just use kind of the default one. But yeah. I, I do think it's, it's great that it is in there. Yeah. But yeah, I do, I do want to like pose this question to you. What makes a Final Fantasy game a Final Fantasy game? <sighs> Gosh, yeah, it is. The, that question has become more complicated recently i think like at least since uh, i i know we, we already talked about like 12 and 13 being kind of like big uh like breaking points for the series but for me i think where it the identity gets kind of harder to discern is starting with like 15 yeah because to me i mean like obviously i i haven't played much of that game so i could be like full of shit and like you know i don't really understand the game but just like purely you know based on vibes it 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 doesn't seem to have the same kind of like atmosphere or attitude that I kind of tie to Final Fantasy. Um, and I think that's what makes the question tough is it's not like, oh, it's these gameplay elements or it's these, you know, story beats or whatever. It's like, it is very much a vibe, like Final Fantasy, I I, I feel. There are the tropes. There's like, it, you know, it's got to have crystals. It's got to have chocobos. It's got to have mages, et cetera, et cetera. But more than that, it's just like the kind of like epic fantasy the like world ending stakes the like close relationships between party members kind of a a blend of like technology and magic which like means a different thing i think in every like entry in the series but it's it's always kind of part of it whether it's just like magic powered airships or like the magitech of final fantasy 14 like that's always been an element to it 
And I think it's going to get even more complicated to answer with with 16. But yeah, it's 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 a very difficult question to answer because like before you know 15 kind of maybe before 13 I would have said it's like oh, you know, there's like turn-based combat or party-based combat, all that kind of stuff, but that's become kind of less intrinsic to Final Fantasy, I feel like, or, or less important to it. Uh, I don't know. Do you have do you have a strong sense of like what what makes a Final Fantasy game to you? Because I'm just kind of floundering. Yeah, no, <laughs> like it, it really is just a feeling to me. It's a really difficult question, and I think you know there are. It's like hard to parse on the face mm-hmm. because like there there are like eras almost that you can see where For it's sure. like yeah you know one through five have a lot of similarities. Um, and I think nine can honestly go with those ones too. <laughs> yeah. And then you have six and then seven and eight are kind of their own things. And then, you know, 10. Um, and then after that, it starts getting completely different, um, which like some people see as like a decline of the franchise. But I think so I'm going to pull a lot of this from like an article that I just wrote because I was thinking about this a lot. Um, the thing about... Final Fantasy that's really interesting is I think about it a lot in the context of Shakespeare and the Shakespearean canon where not every piece that Shakespeare writes is similar. There are some loose definers that you can say like comedies and tragedies and histories and romances and to an extent a lot of these are are useful for helping to define Final Fantasy also. There's a lot of connections there but at the core what makes final fantasy final fantasy is similar to what makes a shakespeare piece a shakespeare piece it's that despite these grand stories that feel so high cost and world ending or have fairies and magic or in the case of final fantasy have fairies and magic or mako (laughs) or you know junction forces and all this kind of stuff at the core, what makes them, you know, so prevalent and timeless is the fact that they're human stories mm-hmm. and that they're stories about people and people struggling with their identities and figuring out how to, you know, find their place in a difficult world, which is something we all struggle with. And I think that's kind of what is really at the heart of Final Fantasy. Obviously, it does have a a certain visual language and certain tropes that it pulls on like chocobos and crystals and Sid and all these things, but it doesn't need those, which is why there are drastic, you know, changes to the franchise that happen. Like six was a pretty drastic change from four and five and seven drastic from that. And even eight was kind of a drastic change from seven. Um, yeah. You know, even 15, which I haven't played, but like I know the story of it, it at its heart is trying to do that, even if it doesn't succeed. And one of the things that I feel like has become a defining trait also of the franchise is that every entry at its best tries to push the series forward in a new way, somehow, be it mechanically or narratively trying something new and different that feels that feels like nobody else in the industry is doing it because i i think for the longest time final fantasy has felt special 
because nobody else was trying to do what it did. Even even if there are other JRPGs or Western RPGs or character-focused stories, none of them felt the same. And that's kind of what defined them in my mind. If yeah, totally. if any of that makes like sense, it's a lot of ramble rambling. <laughs> no. But, yeah, no, for sure. I think the idea that it is about like human stories is. I, I mean, it, I think it's like just observably true if you've played a lot of the games. Um, but I think it's also just borne out by when you look at the games that were less successful or less popular. They tend to be the ones that people didn't connect with the characters as much in. Like, as much as people say, oh, I don't like 13 because of the combat, a lot of people didn't like Lightning. They're they're wrong not to. She's, yeah. she's great. But a lot of people didn't like Lightning. A lot of people didn't like Ice. Like, you know, there's just, like, characters in the game that people didn't really vibe Do with. Do you mean Snow? Snow. His name is Snow. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. See, this is how little I played of the game. Played by Troy um, Baker. Is he played by Troy Baker? Yeah, this is, like, one had, of Troy Baker's big breaks. I had no idea. God, I want to play more of this game, actually. <laughs> anyway, I'm dumb. Uh, people didn't like them. People didn't connect quite as much with the characters in 12, I think, either. Um, even though there were a couple, like, Fran and Balthier, like, people liked. But um, the cast as a whole certainly isn't as memorable. And that's really what turned me off of 15, was, like, I just didn't fucking care about these dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, so bros I think that's very true. Bros. Just They're just bros being bros. And I... I I'm happy for them, but I don't need to be on their little road trip. But yeah, and also the the idea of like uh, reinvention, I think, is also huge to the series because uh, it is like it is even though like the first kind of run of games was you know very turn based and and similar in a lot of ways. Even though it's like they were making a lot of tweaks even early on to the formula, which is something that's that certainly continued, even if some of the more recent experiments uh, have not really been you know, crowd pleasers. I think one of the things that I always think about with Final Fantasy is the fact that more than I think any other single franchise, people have such emotional reactions, like still and emotional memories of moments. Mm -hmm. People who have played Final Fantasy and like no matter which entry they've played, so many of them can be like, I remember this single moment specifically and it had such an emotional effect on me. Like, I mean, obviously, I think the most famous one is is Aerith. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's because the way that that game presented these characters in the stories is when, spoiler for a game that's pretty old, who, who cares? Um, when Aerith, <laughs> One of the most famous spoilers <laughs> that yeah, exist in gaming. When, when Aerith dies, it's like, it was so affecting. Um, yeah. Robert Pattinson is still dealing with it, you know? Oh man, I, I hope he I hope he gets through it one day. <laughs> I, it makes sense that like it was really like it was the kind of thing that like at least I hadn't seen in games before of just like not just a character death, but someone who you came to really care about and a character who like you had direct control over in your party is now gone, uh, and that that like propelled the rest of the characters forward and was a crucial mo- moment of the story. Um, really did feel. Uh, just, I don't know, like a more kind of, I don't want to use the term mature, but just like a more uh, impactful kind of bit of storytelling that I think a lot of us had seen in games up to that point, if if you were playing it like when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just, yeah, it's just extremely affecting. And I think uh, most of the games do have moments that are similar, uh, just in like how, how shocking or unexpected uh, they are. I think 
a great kind of Rosetta Stone for like figuring out what Final Fantasy is as a franchise is honestly looking at Final Fantasy 14 because it has this weird mission of like it has to be a good game but it also has to be a people pleaser in the fact that people want to see certain things like people want to see references to old games or whatever even if it doesn't necessarily make the most logical sense in in world but the team does a great job of like bringing in these iconic moments or these iconic things from the past and like Yoshi P has like kind of talked about this before of of what it's like making a game that has to kind of be a a microcosm of the franchise as a whole and there are like great moments of this where Final Fantasy XIV is so referential. I mean, there's a whole raid series where you're facing off against Final Fantasy VI bosses. There's one of my favorite storylines in the game involves uh, a really climactic moment where they recreate one of the ending sequences of Final Fantasy VIII. And it just does a really good job. And like by looking at Final Fantasy XIV, you can see what people value from the franchise. And it is the it is the characters. It is the emotions. Yeah, for sure. It's it, like, I mean, there is, there's an event that comes up every once in a while. Um, I don't know how, actually how frequently, I, I think I've seen it happen like twice where it's a like Final Fantasy 11, Final Fantasy 14 crossover. And the whole thing is just like, you're following this one character who is from, you know, from the world of Final Fantasy 11 and has been kind of like transported to Final Fantasy 14. And it's, it's just following her story it's it's just like this very very personal and like very very touching like little side quest that kind of shows that like that the thing that people care about is is the stories and the characters because they're pulling from they could have pulled anything from you know final fantasy 11 it is also a very expansive game and they chose to focus on this very like personal story and yeah it's yeah the the like references to the series are just are, there's so many like there's also a raid series where you go to Ivalice, uh mm-hmm. and it's just like you kind of in character uh, encounter some characters from like tactics and and final fantasy 12 or like you know just it's full of references to places and people and events uh and and even like uh there's like armor sets in there that call back to those older games because they know that like the the kind of aesthetics of it are also very important so even if you haven't experienced the games that those things are pulled from uh, the aesthetic sense is so strong that they know it's going to fit in with Final Fantasy fourteen, but also feel special. Uh, so I think that's, yeah, I mean, it is a really great example of uh, Final fourteen uh, is a great example of, or, or a good way to look for those things that make Final Fantasy Final Fantasy, because they're, they are drawing from across the entire series. And despite all of the many, many differences between games, there is some weird cohesion there. Like they've had other collaborations with outside series as well like they they did like i don't know yokai watch and like all this weird shit and those always feel very much like you know here's just a thing we're dropping to the game like Fortnite style just to kind of mash it up uh and it, it feels very different but whenever they pull from final fantasy no matter like how far they reach it there is always some kind of like thematic through line there that it, it never feels like just a a weird you know cross universe collaboration like it, it all it all fits in final fantasy yeah, which um, something that I was just thinking about is uh, the jobs in Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. which also are so, like, continue throughout almost every entry. 
like this i it's almost like a it's like archetypes for storytelling and they're so specific to final fantasy now like you have the black mage the white mage you know the paladin the dark knight all these kind of things and they started off just as like mechanical gameplay things but they've become storytelling like Mm -hmm. things where like final fantasy 4 uses the job system like archetypes to create characters who are defined by those and then you know same with nine nine is sort of has like characters who who are basically a single job and even in the ones that don't have traditional job systems or like medieval storytelling they still work them in like in final fantasy 7 you have Aerith, who's essentially the white mage even though mm-hmm. that is like not said which i think is an interesting combination of mechanics and storytelling yeah yeah it's it's and again like back to 14 like they they really make it pretty explicit of like when you pick your starting class you you join essentially like a guild of people who all who all have that job and there's like a storyline that that goes through like your kind of your training to become move from a lancer to becoming a dragoon or you know whatever your path happens to be and they're all very distinct like the job quests for for one job uh can be like very very different like from job to job and i think it just shows like yeah they do have a really good handle of like the reason that people are interested in playing one job over the other it isn't entirely about like the abilities or like the kind of things they want to be able to do in game it's about the the story that you're telling yourself about your character if you decide to be a white mage you're you're going for a very different fantasy than if you decide to be like a gunbreaker or whatever you know like uh it's 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 not it's not just mechanical there's like there's an emotional component to what what jobs resonate with you uh and it's really interesting to see them like turn that that feeling into a narrative for for each different job speaking of like Final Fantasy being about um, characters and the <laughs> stories for you uh, over the series. What what are the ones that stand out to you? Like, what are your favorite characters and moments? I'm trying to not think about Freya because I just wrote a piece about uh, Freya Crescent from Final Fantasy IX, who is like because I wrote that piece, she's very like front of mind. So I'm trying to kind of push that aside to find the others mm-hmm. um, because she is very much like. She's my, I mean, she's probably my favorite character from Final Fantasy. I, despite the actual game she's in, not really caring that much about her. I, when I first played it, there was just something about like her design and like the, the melancholy of her story that really, really got under my skin. Uh, And it, it wasn't until like much more recently that I really unpacked like her importance to me as a character um, but even like when I think about my favorite characters, it's, it's difficult to kind of see past her because she does kind of loom so large. Literally, I, I'm just having, <laughs> I have to like, I'm trying to think of like a list of other characters now because I only, I only have eyes for Freya. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like the ones I think of off the top of my head are, I, I really like Squall from Final Fantasy VIII. Um, mm-hmm. which I think Squall, I, I mean, I think Final Fantasy in general is misunderstood, but I think Squall is a really, really great protagonist. I think he has one of the best like storylines about how you see him evolve, um, which really stands out to me. Uh, thinking of Final Fantasy 13, I, Fang and Vanille hold such a special place in my heart Yeah, as one of the most beautiful like love stories that is in one of these games. And then like, 
because we play Final Fantasy XIV so much, I, I have to mention Yasael, who I think is like maybe my favorite video game character ever. Like her, her story was like so effective for me. And I, I, I literally think about her all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like her story is the story of, of Heaven's Word. And like, she is the reason why that game, what that expansion is like so well received because it was like just such a complex story of, of this person who was like going to extreme ends for the things she believed in and like being vilified for it and like never for a second backing mm-hmm. down uh, and never really even getting her due as like the, the, you know, heroic person that she was. I think that she really does exemplify kind of like the best of Final Fantasy's characters. Yeah, that, that's the other thing is like aside from from, you know, the long shadow of Freya, I all of the a lot of the other characters I was thinking of were from 14, which is largely just because they're so like top of mind because they play that mm-hmm. game all the time. But it also does a lot of great characters like like your Stola has she's like a very popular character who also has this really interesting arc. And a lot of the characters you spend a lot of time with, it's not that they are like transformed over the course of the game. It's just that like their character is deepened. Like they start off as these sort of archetypes and the more time you spend with them, the more it's like they sort of put them into these difficult positions that test uh, the things that make them who they are. And uh, like seeing how they grow and how they deal with those changes is, is really interesting in a game where the, the like main story that's being told is one about your protagonist. Like it's a character that you created uh, so it feels like even more important to have these extremely well-defined characters. Uh, and I think they've done a really like wonderful job of doing yeah. that. I think um, also just like a specific moment from the franchise that stands out to me as like a, a great piece of storytelling is um, I don't know how much you remember Final Fantasy VI. Uh, do you know the coin toss scene? No. So there's... I remember like the story well, but not like... The individual beats there's this are, are great, pretty foggy. So there's this incredible storyline of like, you have two characters that you can get in your party. They're Edgar and Sabin or Sabin who are brothers. Mm-hmm. And Edgar is like the king of Figaro castle. And in the story, you learn basically like Edgar is king and Sabin, he left the kingdom to like pursue his own dreams. And for the longest time they have like, there's kind of this like unspoken feud between them where they're kind of not on good terms and eventually you can like stumble upon this uh this scene and what it is is it's a flashback to when their father was dying and they were having to decide who would become king and you know Sabin is like very openly like I'm I'm like kind of gonna mourn the life that I wish I could have led but I'm not gonna be able to do that because I need to like be a ruler because that's what is required of me and Edgar is like, how about this? How about we flip a coin? And whoever wins the coin toss like, will become king. And so Edgar flips the coin, he calls heads, and it is heads. And um, so Sabin gets to actually live the life he wants. He leaves, and Edgar becomes king. And then later on in the game, they use this coin again. And another character takes the coin and is like, hey, did you know this coin was had two heads on it there's no tails (laughs) this is a fake coin and it's like at this moment that you realize that edgar basically threw his life away for his brother Mm -hmm. and it's just this like impeccable piece of storytelling um that like it just it's sits with me a lot yeah yeah i have like for me i just have these moments like i tend to remember like 
images from from the stories more than like the like a, a full scene so for me there's like near the beginning of final fantasy 9 there's uh there's a moment where you're in this like cursed forest that begins to like petrify everything around it uh and your whole party is like trying to outrun the this sort of like wave that's that's rushing toward them and turning everything to stone uh and there's just like a very haunting image of one of the sort of like early characters who you meet getting getting stuck in that wave and like sort of like the vines and and trees of the forest just growing around them um and yeah those are the things that i tend to remember are those just like emotional beats uh that like often serve as sort of emotional grounding for the characters uh who you spend the most time with uh or like from final fantasy 9 i have a very uh, again from final fantasy 9 i have another very vivid image of when uh alexander first appears um that is like a very like another like emotional peak in the story it's yeah i don't know i i I lose a lot of the details with time but there's like so many indelible like images and and like emotional moments that stick with me even if i can't remember (laughs) the exact context for them and i think i don't know that kind of also speaks to the power of uh like how efficiently uh final fantasy is able to give you these these emotions and these character beats where even if you're like me and you have like a sieve for a brain and can't remember like the details as much uh the the emotional uh weight of the story still really sticks with you a lot so let's talk about the future of final fantasy um most immediately final fantasy 16 what are your thoughts kind of on 16 and and what it seems to mean for the franchise? Yeah, what it seems to mean is <laughs> is an interesting question because like as much as they've shown like a lot of trailers and all these other, you know, reveals and things, I feel like we still don't know a whole lot about what it's going to be like, uh, you know, in terms of story or even gameplay. What we can be pretty confident in is that it's going to be like a much darker story. It's going to be about the uh, the interplay between these like multiple kingdoms who all have control over an icon, which is like the the summons of, of you know the classic Final Fantasy summons. Uh, it seems like it's going to focus a lot more on like the kind of like on the ground warfare. Where like a, a lot of Final Fantasy is about war, or like at least there is a war happening in the story. But this seems like you're going to be much more like you're going to be surrounded by the war as opposed to it being a backdrop as it is in so mm-hmm. many games. Yeah, and going along with that, it's just, it looks just like darker and more violent and, you know, quote unquote, more mature, which I don't know, it it, like, it doesn't look like the kind of thing that I ask for out of a Final Fantasy, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be good. I mean, like we've said a bunch of times, like Final Fantasy has changed so much and like, maybe this is an interesting form for it to change into. What kind of worries me is that uh, the changes that this series has had over time always seem to be like, big experiments and things that like uh like whether it's gameplay or story-wise it's these games do things that no other games do and this seems to be like it's an experiment in the context of final fantasy because final fantasy has never felt like this but a lot of other games and a lot of other media they do seem to have the tone that that it looks like final fantasy 16 is going for which makes me feel like it's less experimenting and more kind of like chasing a trend um, especially coming after like Game of Thrones and that kind of wave of like grim fantasy. Uh, I don't know. W- one thing that does like that I like about that is there was like an early trailer where there's a line that's something to the effect of like the the legacy of the crystals is at an end or something. And I, I, I like the sort of like 
meta element there where it's like crystals are important in the world of the story. It clearly like whatever the legacy of the crystals is in this setting uh, is something that's important and like at a, at a time of change, but it's also a symbol of final fantasy. And so kind of like stating that like our intention here is to change what a final fantasy game is. uh, I think that's bold and interesting, but what it changes into, I think is still uh, really, I'm really unconvinced of whether it's, it's going to be one uh, direction that I love. But like I said, like we know so little, it's hard to say. I just, I'd say I'm approaching with skepticism more than excitement at this point, but I'm like always willing to be proven wrong. Uh, what's how, how, what's your sort of, your take yeah, on I have so a far? lot of similar takes. Like I, I am, it's, it's not the fact that it's darker that is upsetting because, um, Naoki Yoshida has openly said he's a huge fan of the games that are set in Ivalice. So he loves tactics. Mm-hmm. He loves 12, which are the much more like dark war stories. Um, and so that's fine, but it is the, it is kind of what you said about the idea that Final Fantasy has never been a trend chaser it's been like something that tries to strike out on its own but this game does look like it's following a trend i mean like honestly when i look at it i look at it and i'm like this looks like the witcher 3 and kind of with a story that's game of thrones but there's some chocobos Mm -hmm. and stuff and um it doesn't excite me I know exactly what you're talking about, though, with that first trailer, with that uh, with that line, the the legacy of the crystals will like not or whatever it was. And I was like really hopeful, too, that it was this idea, like it was a message to kind of the world, like we're over trying to like, you know, appease everybody. Like, because honestly, I think since since 10, I think 10 is the last like unequivocally loved Final Fantasy and ever mm-hmm. since then, they've been struggling to, like, find something that has the success of the past. Um, so there's, like, this idea that Final Fantasy has lost itself. And it was almost this, like, message that, yo, who cares? Final Fantasy has never had, like, a defining factor. We can be whatever we want. So we're just going to go forward and do something new. But it is the fact that it doesn't seem like it's doing something new on its own. It's doing something new in hopes of chasing a trend and that's not very exciting for me i just i don't know it there's like this question of why is this the thing that they've chosen to pursue and it does feel like it is just to pursue currently beloved or currently popular trends i don't know maybe 17 will be the one that like does something wild i (laughs) it it kind of makes me question, like, what is the point of Final Fantasy anymore at all if it's just pursuing a trend? And what could it do to to excite me again? Right. Yeah, it's a good question. Because I do think 15 had a similar problem of it chased, like, mm-hmm. this open world RPG trend, like a very Western-style trend. That's what a lot of people, like, say about it that is kind of a failure. And... I think 16 in a way seems to do similar things, um, just dialed down a little bit and with a different mood. Uh, yeah, I think, I think they should do something drastic for the franchise. I think that's what they need. Honestly. I agree. I mean, and you know, time will tell maybe, maybe 16 will be more interesting. Like I do think the idea of like the, you know, in the 
game's weird terminology. They call them dominants, which are like people who can kind of like control the icons mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, I think they they could do some interesting things with that of, you know, merging these kind of like these godlike beings with humans. And I'm sure there's a lot of like storytelling potential there. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong. Uh, I, I would love to discover that I've been overly cynical about <laughs> it, uh, even if that looks, you know, unlikely to me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the next one will be a course correction. I'm thinking of, there's a very, something I've thought a lot about uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Um, it's just, this is just a thought that kind of like randomly occurs to me at times, where because you can choose so many different like species of, of things to be, like whether you're a Viera or, uh, you know, a Makote or whatever, they they look very different and they're very like, like everything from like the size of their bodies, like their heights even are extremely different. Uh, and like even like the coloration of their skin and their hair and all these things, it just, it makes it like, just such a wildly diverse group of characters. Like if you look at any, you know, like the intro of any dungeon, uh, when there's like a group of characters standing there, they all look so wildly different. And to me, like, I think that's part of the the charm of Final Fantasy is like the just like wild diversity of like designs and of, I keep thinking of like uh, the, which I can't remember, of course, because I have no memory, but like the first city you go to in Final Fantasy twelve when there's like you're uh, walking around with like there's a lot of humans and a lot of non-human characters mingling. Yeah. Uh, and there's something that feels really like metropolitan in like a fantastical way about that. Like just this like bustling city that's full of all these different like species and different creatures and things. Uh, and that's something that I think I would love for them to push more in that direction when they like you know when they inevitably make make the next game as opposed to this which seems very focused on like quote-unquote realistic like humans or whatever it's like I I want it to be just more wild and more have this 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 weird mix of of different uh types of beings mixing in with each other Uh, I think to me that that feels like a more interesting direction than stripping that away and making it like I don't know if the aim is to make it more relatable, if they think people want to see more human characters or whatever. But for me, the appeal has always been the sort of non-human uh, characters, like mingling with humans is more interesting to me than like the politics of this kingdom that are like destined to not be too much different from any other kind of medieval fantasy we've seen before. Yeah, I think a lot of people were excited for 16 because it was like, oh, it's back to medieval fantasy. That's like the root of a final fantasy. And I'm like, I, I actually don't think yeah. that is what is so special. So, right. uh, yeah. Like it is where it started, but that wasn't what made it yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's also like it's gone in much more interesting directions since the beginning. That It seems weird to just kind of like strip a lot of that out. I, I One of the things that I honestly think is interesting that, and we kind of mentioned it when we talked about Square Enix in uh, one mm-hmm. episode and all their games, is I think outside of the main Final Fantasy series, Square Enix is making a lot of like small, weird games that almost mm-hmm. feel like Final Fantasy without the name attached. Because you have like Octopath Traveler, which basically is, you know, a classic Final Fantasy game um, in that it's like mm-hmm. pixelated uh, and kind of this like party system and it's turn-based. Or you have Harvestella, which has the hallmarks of like a story about crystals and, you know, you have job systems. 
it's like, I almost wonder if kind of like going back to like this and like really investigating like certain aspects of the franchise would, would be a better way to do it outside of just being like, how could we make a triple a success? Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point, like to go back into like cynic mode, it does kind of feel like whatever the, with 16, it feels like it is trying to be like as crowd pleasing and as like triple a feeling as possible. And, you know, just tack the name final fantasy on that because that's also a recognizable name. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of like um, it's like tipping the scales, you know, like our most palatable game with our most recognizable franchise attached to it. Uh, and then that like gives them room to experiment with seemingly far more interesting ideas in these games that are like uh, their own series uh, that, that don't have the kind of expectation that Final Fantasy mm-hmm. would, which is, I don't know, kind of frustrating. But at the same time, it's like, that we still get those games, so really, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, if I don't like the next Final Fantasy game, like Square has put out a lot of games, even this year, that feel more interesting to me. And like, I don't need the games that I like to be called Final Fantasy. I just want, I just want to play good games. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, yeah, uh, the thing that made Final Fantasy special isn't necessarily that it was called Final Fantasy. It was like the the way right. it was the people making the games. But yeah, I don't know. There is still some. I do still want to see it succeed, even if it's just out of nostalgia and just yeah. like like love for kind of the the history of it. It would be good to see. I I don't know. I I just they should go back to Evilice. I think that's where that's that's where things went wrong when they left Evilice behind. I mean, I it think was like really honestly, like one of their best settings, if not the I best. I think this setting. one is like. I mean, it's similar to Evilice, at least tactics version of Evilice. Yeah. You want the 12 version. You want the like the weird yes. like sci-fi I weird medieval. I want the bunny girl. I mean, version. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's really the the one problem is is Final Fantasy just needs to have more bunny girls in every entry. If Final yeah. Fantasy 16 has like a triple A rendered bunny girl, then absolutely 10 out of 10. Yes, that's what will change yeah. my mind. <laughs> but yeah, with with the future of Final Fantasy uncertain, I think that's that's a lot of thoughts about one series. <laughs> so other than thinking about Final Fantasy this week, uh, what else have you been getting up to? Yeah, so uh, something that I've been really falling in love with this week is I started watching um, a new anime. It's called mm. Bochi the Rock, and um, it's okay. on Crunchyroll. It's it's really good. Basically, the whole plot is there's this, there's this girl who's just starting um, high school, and for like all of middle school she was like a like an introvert and a loner and she had no friends and in Mm -hmm. preparation for high school she was like i'm gonna learn guitar and i'm gonna get really good at guitar (laughs) and then i'm gonna form a band and i'm gonna be so cool and she did learn guitar and she's really really good at it but she has no social skills and so she's like struggling to figure out how to like form a band and she ends up running into these two girls who are like oh our guitarist just like left us so we need a we need a guitarist if if you can play for us. And so it's about her like joining this band and them like playing in the band. It's, it's super adorable. It's super cute. I don't know. It's just really, really enjoyable. It's, she is like an adorable character, Bochi, the main character uh, with her like introversion. It's like, it's, it's really hilarious. Um, The first time she like plays on stage with the band, she, uh, they put a cardboard box over her because she's too nervous to play in front of people. Um, 
it's just a really great anime. Um, I, I love it a lot. Uh, I, I just cannot recommend it enough. It's, it's really fun. It's just, it's just very heartfelt. Uh, it's been a great time. I think it's definitely one of my favorite like new animes this year. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds really cute. <laughs> I'll have to, maybe I'll use that to, uh, cool down after watching the horny vampire yes. anime you you also Case told study me about. study of Amitas, highly recommend for everybody. Uh, <laughs> what about you? What have you been up to? Um, I have another, uh, let's see, image-based oh other thing to, to share with you again. It's, oh. it's not as intense as the tattoo. Like, my heart is racing. Um, so this week, my one of my friends had a, uh, a solstice mm. party and uh, so she and her husband actually just had a kid uh, last year. And so as like something they're trying to do is like start new traditions for yeah. their family. Uh, and one of them is like they're going to have a solstice party every year. And so for the last couple of years, uh, they, you know, just invite people over for that. And one thing that we've we've started doing is like they have a bunch of just like random craft supplies and like stuff they've literally found in the garbage and just all this random stuff. Um, so we all went over. And we like had dinner and then we sat down at the din- at the table with just like all this stuff in the middle of it. And everybody just kind of like picked a bunch of junk out of it and made like wreaths and ornaments. And uh, it's just out of like, so I have one that's made out of this like this like hoop with just like sprigs of holly in it and pieces of like fur of a fir tree that's stuck into it and like a seed pod hanging down. So it's just all this really like just junk kind of crammed together to make art. But it was just like, just a lovely little time just sitting there for like a couple of hours and just sort of like chatting as we we sort of like, you know, put these things together with no real intention. Um, and it was just a nice thing to be able to like share this thing where there's like, there's no expectation. Like it's not going to be a thing that turns out like beautiful and, and, and amazing and everyone's so impressed. It's just like the act of making this thing that is only for... Uh, it's only for you, and the point of it is to make it and be surrounded by people who you care about. Um, so that's that's like that's my recommendation for the week is like find a way to like get together with people, whether it's like in person or just like talking on a fucking Zoom call or whatever, and just like make some stupid art that has like no meaning behind it and no pressure to it, and just like experience the joy of making things that you're not good at and you don't have any intention to do anything with. It is a thing that is it is. I think like an unalloyed good thing to to put into the world is like things with no purpose uh, other than than that they are that they're made with joy, uh, and that's that's my suggestion. That's what I did. I, I love. That. I made a weird little wreath and I hung it on my door, and I it's probably freaking my neighbors out because <laughs> it looks like it's some kind of pagan ritual. I think it's adorable. Uh, it's, it looks it's, it's it really looks happy. very nice. I will say. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, well, with all that, that will uh, wrap it up for us here at Girl Mode for episode nine. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you can find us on Twitter at girlmode underscore pod, and on co-host at girlmode-pod. I'm on Twitter and co-host at the Willow Row. And I'm on Twitter and co-host at Robin Bombas. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>